Welcome to the Reading for Success podcast, a production of Success League Radio. This podcast focuses on customer success and leadership books, provides an overview of each, and gives you an honest assessment of whether or not they are worth your time. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, I'm Kristen Hare. And I'm Russell Bourne, and we're the co-hosts of Reading for Success. We also both work for the Success League, a boutique customer success consulting and training firm based in San Francisco. And today we're reviewing the book Intangibles, Unlocking the Science and Soul of Team Chemistry, and it's written by Joan Ryan. This book was Russell's pick, and it's a sports book, and I was honestly a little skeptical about it when I first started reading it, since I'm not a sports person, but I was curious about the team chemistry part of the book. Russell definitely is a sports person, and I know he'll weigh in on some of the details about the teams and players that are featured in the book. But let's start by diving in. Russell, can you give us an overview of the book? Sure. So the book is loosely divided into sections. The beginning part of the book really is about brain science and sociology. Uh, It talks about why humans need community and in some cases, even physical touch. And then it gets into how we adapt ourselves to accommodate that need through different situations. And then the rest of the book really dives into some sporting examples. Uh, A lot of it is the San Francisco Giants because Joan has covered them for a long time and is a media consultant for them, but also talks about the military, Team USA women's basketball, and a few other individuals from other teams. And she lays out a concept of super carriers, super disruptors, and these seven archetypes of the types of teammates that would lead to good team chemistry. And then um, she finishes out the book with a few other examples of how teams were able to galvanize. Yeah, like I said at the beginning, didn't expect to like it. I was thinking there would be a lot of sports, and there are a lot of sports, but there's a lot of sports in the same way that Ted Lasso has sports as kind of the backdrop to a lot of human dynamics. And Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that I really liked about the book. I thought it was sort of Malcolm Gladwell meets Ted Lasso-esque. Yeah. You know, and so if you liked either of those styles, that style of writing or that show, I think that you would enjoy the book, even if you're not a huge sports fan. I have to say, I am a huge Giants fan. It's it's most of yeah. my sports fandom is dedicated to the Giants. And if I'm being honest, I was interested in this book, partly because Joan Ryan is a hero of mine and partly because of Giants interest. But the parts of the book that didn't have anything to do with the Giants were equally interesting to me. So I think if you're not a sports fan, just like you're an example of, this book has the potential to draw you in. Yeah, I thought it was really incredible. So let's talk about what we liked about the book. What resonated with you? I think there were a few ideas that really bubbled to the surface for me. One was this idea of task chemistry versus social chemistry. I think there's a conception that team chemistry has to be social, right? And the teammates Mm -hmm. have to like each other and want to hang out outside of work or play. Uh, in in the context of sports. But that's really not true. You can not get along with somebody personally. And then when you go to work with them, if you both have the same attitude about how to be successful and how to support each other in the context of a team, it can totally work. And I think if I'm reading the book correctly, either one of them will help you as a team if you have task or social chemistry. And then there's sort of, Joan brings in the concept of love which I think is more related to the social chemistry part of it. But either way, it can work. Yeah, I liked that idea, too. I thought what was interesting, you know, when you take that and you sort of think about how does that relate to business, 
you know, there's a lot of companies that put a lot of effort into social chemistry, you know, providing, you know, in the past pre-pandemic, things like ping pong tables, <laughs> you know, beer socials and, and all of that stuff to try to drive that social chemistry. But I think one of the points she was making is that that's not necessary to performance. It's that task chemistry that really drives it. And some of the social chemistry comes from the chemistry that's created by doing the work and kind of having that drive around how you work together. And so I think it's interesting that we invest so heavily in the social side of it as businesses when maybe, you know, we can accept that the chemistry really maybe comes from, you know, trying to perform in the work itself. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. What about you? What stuck out? You know, I really liked at the beginning of the book, this idea about synchronicity. And there's a whole little section on it. And, and synchronicity, you know, as she was thinking about it, is things like team exercises in sports. So where the whole team is doing warmups together. Or in the case of maybe a religious group, it would be chanting or singing. And that the physical act of doing those things together creates trust and bonding among people. And so I loved that. And it really made me think, you know, what do we do in business where we could leverage that? And I couldn't really think of anything. So, you know, while I wish I had a, a wonderful idea to share with the audience today, I don't. I'm still kind of thinking about it. But it was something that really stood out to me in the book that I really liked. So was there anything else that you thought stood out to you or resonated with you? Yeah, I mean, I think going down the same vein of how do we apply this mostly sports book to the business world, there's a part at the end of the book where Mike Kruko, the, the former Giant and current Giants broadcaster, says, look, if there's one thing that you have to put in this book, it's that chemistry is when you have true joy when one of your mm -hmm. teammates does something good. And, it, and it's not fake joy or jealous joy or lip service, but it's, it's authentic joy. And I think about, you know, stereotypically in a sales team, someone closes a deal and rings the gong and everybody else is happy about that. And sales is not a zero-sum game in the right. vast majority of organizations. You know, someone else closes a deal and that doesn't take anything away from you. How does that make everybody else feel? It, it, hopefully it makes them feel joy. I think the thing that, that maybe makes that happen is that the sales team has to feel that they're not the team but rather the whole company is the team. And, and if every department in the company felt that way, then you would have more of an analogous situation to a sports team. Yeah. And I think it would be good for, for overall company chemistry. Yeah, I agree with you on that. It, it kind of leads into one of the other things I was thinking about, which is that the coaches here have a lot of influence on, on how this plays out. And whether it's a coach, you know, who's actually the official leader of the team, or it's a peer who's sort of serving in that kind of casual leadership or coaching capacity. It's really an art form. And it's knowing who needs what and when, and not just that, but knowing the individuals on the team well enough to know when there's issues or things that need to be addressed right away. And I liked the idea of coaching as a peer. And that there are people who, I think she called them chemistry super spreaders, <laughs> who are the people that bring really great chemistry wherever they land, that those people become kind of almost pseudo coaches for the team. They're the people that 
the group looks up to you and they can really kind of help serve in that capacity as sort of a casual coach. And so I was thinking about that in terms of business and what does that mean? And it's those people on on your team who everybody goes to for advice. And they're the ones who feel everyone trusts them enough that they feel like they can say to the group, hey, you guys, we need to work harder um, and really challenge the team too. And so, you know, I, I liked that idea that kind of surfaced in the book as well. Yeah, absolutely. My other one was the idea of who are the bad people on the team, the bad guys, the ones that are sort of making the chemistry or the culture negative. And I think she changed my mind on that in this book because I had always sort of thought of those people as the, you know, the ones who are kind of like the lone wolves who are doing what they think is the right thing to do, but, you know, they don't really care about the impact on the rest of the team. And they're maybe grouchy or gruff or commanding or bossy or kind of a jerk. And those are the ones that I would have sort of said, they're going to be the ones that are problematic for team chemistry. And I think she would have said that before she wrote this book too, because she, she gave a few examples of people that are kind of classically that way. But what it really is, is the people who are complainers and the people, what was it? Malingerers the people who are sort of not putting in the work. And those are the ones who destroy team chemistry. It's interesting because she changed my mind on that and gave me something different to look for um, in terms of who's causing problems on the team. And I thought that whole section was really interesting, what it takes to kind of destroy team chemistry. Yeah, I mean, in a word, it's everybody on the team has to be in. Yeah. And if you're not in, it's not just a, a neutral zero. It's a negative. Yeah. You know, there's another book that I really like that I think I've referenced a few times on this podcast called The 12 Elements of Great Managing. And in one of the chapters, one of the things that they talk about is dead wood and that you have to cut the dead wood. And the dead wood is the people who aren't putting in the effort. It's not that they're necessarily actively being negative, it's that they're just not performing. And when they're not performing, the people who are performing are looking at them going, well, you know, I'm putting in all this work and they're getting to stick around and we're getting paid roughly the same amount of money. Why do I, you know, keep performing at this level when they're getting away with not? And it creates this really bad dynamic on a team. And so, you know, that section of Joan's book really reminded me of that part of the other book. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Okay. So let's get into. I don't even want to say what we didn't like about the book, but what was challenging for you about the book? Well, I think you said it. I I don't think there's a shortcoming with this book in and of itself. I I think it's a brilliant book. The only things that were missing from the book are missing because they don't exist yet, right? And so that's where I I was left wanting more. And I I frankly hope that there's a sequel. I hope that more research can be done and, uh, and we can figure out how to make this more actionable as a human race. But, you know, for example, Joan talks about, again, this goes back to the adaptability, but as a leader of a team, you can't hire somebody to fill one of these archetypes roles. It it doesn't work that Mm -hmm. way. It has to happen organically by the person. It it can't be forced by a leader. I would love to get to a point where we, we maybe can do that. And we can say, all right, what are the predictive signs that this person isn't a spark plug where they are now, but if I were to bring them onto my team, they would step into that role. 
there's another thing, you know, she talks about how to get a team to rally behind a certain thing and, and give something to unify them. And unfortunately, sometimes it's the leader themselves. They have to drive a team really hard and be the thing that the team unifies against. Tara Vanderveer yeah. was an example of that. And Herb Brooks from the 1980 U.S. men's hockey team is an example of that. And as a leader, you know, you can't be buddies with the people that you work with. It just doesn't work. But yeah. you also don't want to be something that they hate because it really sucks <laughs> the fun out of everything for you. And, and yeah. um, I think of another Bay Area coach, Bill Walsh, who was one of the all-time greats. And then you see interviews with him after he retired and you, you figure out that he was completely miserable during the 49ers dynasty. Uh, he didn't enjoy any of it. And so what's the point? Yeah, the, as a leader, the question would be, if at all possible, how do you not have it be yourself that the team galvanizes <laughs> against? Yeah, and I think those are great examples. That was the thing that bothered me about the book, too. And it's, I think it's mostly because I'm used, so used to reading business books where it's sort of like step one, step two, step three to having a great team, you know? And this book is not that. It's a book that leaves it kind of open, you know, to interpretation and gives you a lot of things to think about, but doesn't really solve the problems for you. And so um, you kind of have to go into reading it knowing that and be willing to put in the work to take something away from it that you can think about and you can chew on and decide how you want to implement on your team. Okay, so bottom line, do we think this book is worth the time? A million percent, yes. This is the best <laughs> book I've read in two or three years. I, I agree. You know, I probably am not as enthusiastic about it as you because, you know, a lot of the sports stories that are a part of it kind of went over my head since that's not my area, but I loved it much more than I thought I would. I think it applies to anybody. You don't have to be in leadership to appreciate this. I think it, there's a lot of things about just being a good teammate that can come out of this book. So whether you're a CSM or a CS leader, I think you would get a lot from this book. So I would say, yeah, it's worth the time. And if you are a sports fan, you're going to adore it because there's tons of stories that are really interesting. And a lot of the social dynamics among people, especially on the Giants, but on other teams too, that are woven throughout the book. This is just an aside question, but did you have a favorite story that you read in the book about some of the characters, the sports characters? Boy, I, I don't know if I could find one. I have to admit, I didn't know a lot about Johnny Gomes. Um, okay. He was a journeyman, and there's a whole section of the book devoted to him. And now he just bounced from team to team on one-year contracts and brought every team together that he was on. I would say a lot of the stuff about the 1987 and 89 Giants were really relevant in terms of how the leadership of that team cut the dead wood. Mm -hmm. And then also... Um, how it culminated in, in 1989 with the with the National League pennant. Cool. I, I would say those two. Those are your favorites? Yeah. All right. Okay, so drum roll. We are super excited to announce that we got to interview Joan Ryan. And we'll be featuring that interview in a couple of weeks here on Success League Radio. She was so gracious to talk with us and so fun to talk with. And I know you'll love hearing her perspective on the fascinating topic of team chemistry. So look for that in a couple of weeks. Our next book is the newest book by one of my favorite authors, Liz Wiseman. 
She wrote a book called Multipliers a while ago, and it's really great. You should read or listen to that if you haven't already. Um, Her new book is called Impact Players, How to Take the Lead, Play Bigger, and Multiply Your Impact. And while this book got lumped into the leadership category on Amazon, I think this is going to be a good one for everybody listening, whether or not you're a leader. So if you want to read along, you can find it as an ebook or a hardcover or an audiobook. I looked through it. Uh, I have the hardcover. There aren't too many visuals. So if you prefer listening to your books, this is a really good one for that. And second drum roll, uh, if you've been <laughs> listening to us on Reading for Success, you know that we've made some changes. So if you're new to the podcast, here's the deal. Reading for Success is now a part of Success League Radio, which is a podcast channel focused on customer success. So our other show, Innovations in Leadership, which features in-depth interviews with CS leaders, has also moved to Success League Radio. And over the coming year, we plan to introduce other shows that provide helpful ideas and content to customer success professionals and leaders. If you like Reading for Success, I'd like to ask you for a favor. Share our show on social media. Help us get the word out to the customer success community. We really want to continue to produce great content. And to do that, we need the support of our amazing customer success colleagues. And with that, I'll say goodbye for now. Goodbye, Kristen. Thanks for listening. And we hope you'll join Reading for Success next time.